So, retrospectors, what historical events are we ticking off on this week's run of Today in History? Well, on Monday, it's the anniversary of the table knife being invented. On Tuesday, we explain how the tradition of the two-minute silence originated in Cape Town. On Wednesday, we recall the day King George III proved he was assassin-proof. On Thursday, let's all eat cake. It's Marie Antoinette's wedding. And on Friday, we discover how Buffalo Bill helped invent the Wild West. We discuss this and more on Today in History with the Retrospectors. Ten minutes each weekday, wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to, for Formula One's sake, the F1 podcast that is just really tired. It's been a long season. I was listening back to the first podcast of the year and none of our voices are broken. Welcome to, for Formula One's sake, the F1 podcast that will not return for 2017. It's been a great run and I'm pleased to retire. Welcome to, for F1's sake, the Formula One podcast that will be making a sensational return in 2017. Didn't go. Welcome to, for Formula One's sake, the F1 podcast that has a room going in that retirement flat we just bought. Spent a bloody fortune on that. I'm Chica Ayres, and today, from the Greencoat Boy in St James's Park, we look back at the entire 2016 season. It's been a season of ups and downs, and lefts and rights, and of going forward and of stopping, sometimes on purpose and sometimes accidentally. But after 21 races, the 2016 Formula One season is at an end. How will it be remembered in the pantheon of motorsport history? Who emerges with their head held high and who's Jolien Palmer? Stay tuned and we're about to wrap cold hard race facts straight into your face. With me is a motoring journalist who has been on a journey into the past. It's Phil Tromans. Not literally, but sort of. Uh, I've been in a castle. Oh, right. Which castle? East Norcastle, very close to where I'm from, actually, in Herefordshire. Hems I went castle. there to drive some old Land Rovers and yeah. some new Land Rovers. In fact, all the Land Rover discoveries, Hang apart on. from in the new castle, one. That's right. On the bed, castles are indoor places, aren't they? Well, they, they have estates, large 5,000-acre estates in this particular case. But that's nice not the park. castle, is it? You should have said, I've been driving Land Rovers in the castle grounds. You did sort of lie to us. Just yeah. Then. Because how did you get it through the door? I'll be honest, some of the rooms were big enough that I probably could have driven but through did you? the castle. Did no, you? I, no, I kept. I stayed outside. Great lie story. But, after uh, lie. What a great yeah, way to driven, end the year. Driven all the Land Rover discoveries from 1989 to now, and I can confirm that they have got better over the years. The new ones are much more comfortable, but the old ones are quite fun because they're sort of like driving a tractor. You know, you go back 20, 30 years, and and even the sort of the luxury cars of the time were a bit sort of chuggy and comfortable mechanical. In what way? Comfortable in the fact that they have suspension that works and gearboxes that work and engines that don't deafen you. And alongside him is a man who still cannot drive. It's Terry Saunders. I've got a reluctant feeling that my driving endeavour might be ending soon. Why? Oh, it's not going well. You said last time that your driving instructor was giving up on you. Well, after the slightly heated Terry, you've got to look in the rearview mirrors when he lost his temper for the first time in a year. Uh, last week, I had a driving lesson, and half nine, I went to meet him, and he parks a couple of streets away from mine. And as I came up, he was outside the car, and he was kind of bending down. <laughs> and I was like, oh, hi. And he went, Terry, I'm really sorry. I don't know how this has happened, but um, I seem to have got dog poo all over my hand. And I, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay. Uh, he went, so I've got to go home and wash. He said, I, I bought the dog earlier, but I don't know how it happened. I'm not sure. And I was like thinking, oh, well, he lives around the corner. Am I going to have to drive him back? And then he'll wash. And then and he was like, so can we just cancel the lesson? I'm really sorry. 
And at the time, I was like, that's a bit weird. Now I'm thinking, as he saw me coming, I think he just went, oh, fuck, that's Terry. This is never fun. I'm going to smear him. I'm going to just... I'm just going to dive my hand into some dog shit to avoid getting in a car with that Isn't maniac. This is sort of the first panicked response he could think of. You mustn't let that put you off, though, Terry. A man willingly put his hand in dog shit to avoid getting in a car with me. That is not a resounding vote of confidence. Chica. Nothing of notice happens with you, I think. No, everything no. seems perfectly normal with you. Yep. I can't imagine quite you've got any good stories. Weeks, quite a couple of weeks. But I'm just going to explain. I have one arm in a sling. Not both, fortunately. Yeah, for those for those listening in black and white, it is in a sling. Mm-hmm. A blue one. So I've broken my elbow. Why? Mm. That sounds painful. It was painful. Is Why? This, I was just trying to get out of this. <laughs> I tried dog poo, that didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> so we have finished the longest season of all time. Is that right? I think it was. Yeah. And we've all aged dramatically. And we've managed to get all of those 21 races down to 10 talking points for you. So let's go. We'll start off with Mercedes, as we always do. So Nico Rosberg buggered off with the trophy, leaving Mercedes with a whole wardrobe of Timotei with no one to give it to. But all season, the tit for tat between him and Hamilton has been the only real battle for the championship. Will it be the hair or the tortoise? The hair being the one with blonde hair, the tortoise being the one with a hard shell that protects his feelings? No, Lewis is the hair because he's fast and Nico is the tortoise. What do you think? I think I wrote that analogy last <laughs> night when I was quite tired. Um, Mercedes have been, basically, they've carried on where they left off in 2015. They've pretty much won it. They've cut. They've, they've won every race. And the races they haven't won, they've basically won. <laughs> well, even when they didn't win, they've won. Basically, you wouldn't be hard pushed. If someone said, oh, Mercedes won the Spanish Grand Prix, you'd probably go, yeah. Did they have any times where they didn't win because somebody else actually beat them through speed? Well, they only lost twice. One was when they crashed into each other at Spain. So not that, that one. one. And the other one was when Ricardo won, and I can't remember which race it was. Which one did Ricardo oh, win? Oh, well, don't bring that to me, because I don't want to embarrass you by knowing the facts immediately. <laughs> all right, fine. Says, Chico, which one was Ricardo won? Uh, I've uh, got so many notes here, I with them all down. Oh. Mm. It was Malaysia. Oh, no, Malaysia's when Rosberg screwed it on the first lap, and then Hamilton's car went. So actually, yes. yeah, they didn't get beaten. Although they nearly lost Monaco. They didn't nearly lose, though. They still won it. But so they should have won. This season. <laughs> what was the question? Um, I said, have they ever been... Have Mercedes ever finished and not won? No. No. So they were never beaten in a straight fight this year, apart from Monaco when they were almost beaten, but Red Bull screwed up their pit stops. But Monaco's always a weird race yes. anyway. So essentially, I think what we're summarising here is that Mercedes they did very well, very, well very done. good. So Daniel got in touch with us on Facebook. He said, thank Jeebus, Mark, let their drivers race. Without that, their utter domination would be as exciting as Schumacher at Ferrari or Vettel at Red Bull. It helps that Rosberg came somewhere close to Hamilton in terms of speed. If Merck keep up their lead as constructors next year, we'd better hope the other drive goes to someone quick. Or Hamilton winning the championship with seven races to go will be as dull as Indianapolis 2005. I've got to agree. I mean, we've been maligning Rosberg all season, but if he Rightfully hadn't so. been on his game, or he hadn't been as... Rosberg, for all our slagging him off, is pretty quick. If he hadn't been, and it had just been the Hamilton show, it would have been just monumentally dull, wouldn't it? 
Especially yes. if Hamilton hadn't made so many mistakes as well. It's the battle between the two of them that's that's been the bulk of the intrigue. Yeah, definitely. Mercedes have been the most dominant team in years that have let their drivers race. It's, only McLaren have really been that good when they've had a car that dominant with Seller and Prost. They've totally let them go for it. And Do you think they could do it for a third season? Well, all bets are off next year, yeah. aren't they? Because, mm. because they're resetting the rules. So, But their engine's still the best. And their aerodynamics is pretty good. I mean, Red Bull are good, but Mercedes yeah, but, aren't. Uh, as, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk more about this in our 2017 preview show, out very soon, probably, <laughs> when we record it, that, that aerodynamics are a bit more of a deal next year. Yeah, but they're and not bad be, aerodynamics. I mean, it's always, every, every time they reset the rules, it's who who gets it nailed on in the first season and gets a running start. Yeah, It might well be Mercedes again, but it could be somebody else. So could be. Who knows? Who knows? Not including pre- and mid-season testing, three drivers drove for two different teams during the 2016 season. Oh, right. I reckon Verline did Mercedes and Manor. No, he didn't. Because he, he did it some testing. It was definitely Verline. He did two I teams. literally just said not including pre- and mid-season testing. Kvia Is one. Max Verstappen. <laughs> both uh, Who both drove for the... Red Bull and Toro Rosso. Very good. Who is the third one? Ocon. Ocon. Oh, it's very good. Yeah. Did I, didn't, I honestly oh, didn't think you'd get it, let alone that quickly. So, yeah, he drove for Manor and for Renault for practice for four races. Practice In, doesn't count. Yeah, it does. Oh. <laughs> Part of the race weekend. There you go. Fact. Okay, so let's move on to the second of our 10 highlights, and it is Red Bull. So, this season, Daniel Kvyat found himself in one of the best cars on the grid at the start of the year and ended it on a stolen bike at Abu Dhabi. Max Verstappen wowed everyone with his overtaking skills and ability to revise for his GCSEs with the DRS flap open. Signs has been left in the Toro Rosso, waiting for the phone to ring. But to many of the pundits, Daniel Ricciardo has been one of the more complete drivers of the season. Was he? Yes. This has been a saga, the Red Bull dynasty. It's been great. It's been like an episode of a soap opera. I don't know, like dynasty. Yes, dynasty. Dynasty. So, Daniel Ricciardo, let's face it, had a pretty easy task this year to get one up on Kvyat. And then Kvyat got binned. And well, before that, though, Kvyat got on the podium. He, he was did, doing all right, wasn't he? Yeah. Was it uh, oh, yeah. whatever race that was? One of the early races? Russia. That was before, we got the before. No, it was before Russia. Oh, God, we are terrible. <laughs> was it China? Just in case yeah, any... if it had been Russia, that would have been really good. Just it in was, case uh, the people at Channel 4... It was China. Four it was China. If people at Channel 4 are listening to go, we need some more pundits, right? <laughs> we would we would revise. No, we're playing the long game. We're going for Sky because Channel 4 lose lose their lose their gig after That's 2018, the don't they? Yeah, so we're playing the long game. Anyway. It was so China when, when they had the whole torpedo mm. thing. It's un- it's almost un- It happened so long ago. It's almost unbelievable now that they fired Kvia, who was actually yeah, was doing all right. Yeah. Just got rid of him. And he was no Verstappen, though. He was, yeah, but who is a Verstappen? Eh? Even Max Verstappen can't live up to Max Verstappen's hype. Except he is, actually, <laughs> weirdly. Um, so, Kvia gone, Verstappen back. Suddenly, we've got this energised team. Suddenly, Ricardo's on the back foot. And yet, Ricardo has managed to, I think, do the best over the season. I think he's actually well, he has. grown he's, as a more You look at driver. the stats, and, and Ricardo's been the man. And it wouldn't at all surprise me. We're going to talk later about our, our favourite drivers of the year, and it wouldn't surprise me if Ricardo pops up. But he's he's just been solidly really good. Do you think we pleased with the season? I mean, he's the top of the non-Mercs, isn't he? So I think he called himself the peasants' champion. 
Oh, so, good on him. Uh, as, I, as he was chowing down on a foot. <laughs> <laughs> sucking on someone's sock. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I think he's been. Uh, I think he's been brilliant, but it's been a brilliant contrast with Verstappen, who's come in as the sort of cocky, hip young gunslinger, who's clearly brilliant in a lot of ways, but a little bit rough around the edges and keeps making little mistakes, but makes everything much more spectacular. So it's been great for. I mean, Red Bull's marketing people must must have think all their Christmases have been coming all season. But it's a bit of a contrast to Toro Rosso, though, isn't it? Well, Sainz was actually kind of on the level with Verstappen, and then suddenly, through no fault of his own, he gets totally cast away from the spotlight because Verstappen goes to Red Bull. I give Kvyat credit for just turning up for the rest of the season. So I honestly thought he'd just lock himself away in one of the one of the motorhomes and refuse to come out. Why have they kept him? I think it's a suicide watch thing. I think they had to. I think they absolutely had to keep hold of him. There have been a couple of races. He picked himself up a little bit towards the end, but there were a couple of races where you just looked at him with like, oh my God, well, he's not going to last the day. I've got to be crazy honest. I think, if, you know, I, I like to pretend I was a Formula One driver a lot, right? If I was Kvyat, I would not have turned up at the next race. I would have just quit. That's my temperament. I would have been like, no fucking way. Would you have just chartered a jet straight to Formula E? I'd have just gone. Would you have stayed on if they'd asked you to stay on for this season? I think if I'd have managed that far, I think he has to now, because what else is he going to do? He does seem to have pulled himself together the last couple of races of the season. Had a couple of decent-ish performances towards the end. but And he's back for next year, so hopefully. But, I mean, Sainz appears to be slightly the forgotten man this year, because he's been really good, but... The, obviously, Ricardo and Verstappen have over, overshadowed everybody. But then Kvyat, everyone going, oh, God, is he all right, has almost overshadowed science in that respect. So back to Red Bull. Kenny Campbell replied on our blog saying, they're back on the podium. They've got the most exciting driver lineup this side of Tron. And, please God, their aero expertise will gain them half a second on Mercedes for next season. Brutal bastards, though. Totally brutal bastards. Absolutely brutal and bastards. Couldn't I'd like them to come up with a third team that they call brutal bastards. But it'd be in Italian, so it'd be the Bastardi Brutale. <laughs> Thank God I didn't go there because that sounds quite racist when you say it like that. Nico Rosberg is the second son of a former champion to win a world championship after Damon Hill. But there's a su- supplementary fact. They both won exactly 36 years after their father. Both of them, same exact years. Might be 36, definitely the same number. Or was it 34? Let's say it's 36, because I'm 36. I'm 36 too, so I think it wasn't 36. Otherwise, when they'd have said that, I'd have gone, oh, that's how old I am. I don't think it was that. No, but no, it is 34, because Keki Rosberg won in 1982, and I was born in 1980, so therefore 34 years ago. It was easy to work out. Fact. Number three on our list is Ferrari, the marquee team of F1. After a promising 2015, they were ready to take 2016 right back to their glory days. Only they skipped a year and instead took the team back to the mid-80s, firing grieving staff and moaning in public about their drivers. Yeah! Oh, Ferrari, what have you done, you stupid, stupid fools? It was an embarrassing, (laughs) embarrassing year. Oh, my God. Vettel's been moaning on the radio about everything. Calling what was it? You said he called Charlie what in a cunt, didn't he? Some point. No. I think I think it came out uh, now. No, it wasn't the c word. It was something else, but I forget what it was. Uh, fuck Charlie. There's a t-shirt. Next year's t-shirt. I can't even remember. I'm so angry. So, 
They've just been appalling. They have been, been shite, absolutely they? shockingly shit. And they fired James Allison, who or did they, or did he leave? It's weird because when you look at the the makeup of the team, you think oh, that should be good. Four-time world champion, one-time world champion. They've got the most world champions on the grid by far. The so coolest-looking team principal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what do you reckon it is? I, I don't want to sound horribly xenophobic, but the Italians are fucking terrible. <laughs> <laughs> they can't do anything. So we're blaming it on the nationality of the team? Absolutely. Right. Okay. I'll stand by that. From what I've read, there seems to be a bit of an atmosphere of fear at Ferrari, that everybody's blooming terrified for their jobs. And as, as, as a consequence, they're not really pushing the boundaries which you kind of need to do in F1 because everyone's terrified of making a mistake and getting fired I'd like to see them go in and try and all sorts of stuff and okay they might make a few mess ups but they need to try and do something new and they're not they're just consistently going out and just going I don't know do this and it doesn't work there's this newspaper in Italy which I I feel like I'm making it up but it is called the Gazzetto di Sport Della Sport Della Sport there you go basically whenever Ferrari do anything this newspaper who's incredibly influential just go fucking hell they're shit they (laughs) fucked it up and so Ferrari are just constantly going, oh, like, we, okay, we're going to do something. Don't fucking do it. Oh, I can't believe they did it. Oh, God, call blind me. It's basically the sun. And so Ferrari is scared of Ferrari is scared of this paper because everything they do, the, the, the whole Tifosi react to what this paper says. Uh, the paper says they're doing terribly. But at the same time, this paper also holds Ferrari in this high regard that they should be winning at all times. So when they're not winning... They're in this impossible situation that they can't do anything to get themselves back into a winning way because everything they do gets jumped on and criticised. They can't win. I think they should move out of Italy. That's the only thing Ferrari can do is move to like move to Bradley or Milton Keynes or something. Yeah, go to Milton Keynes. (laughs) The naughtiest driver on track in 2016 was Kevin Magnussen, who had six penalties throughout the season. However, the driver with the most points on his license was Daniil Kvyat, who had seven. Fact! So, going to number four on our top ten list, we have Hayes. Hayes. Pass. So they came from nowhere, NASCAR, to absolutely stun, well, moderately surprise, F1, with some great early results before moaning about breaks and engaging in fisticuffs for the rest of the year. What a great start to the season they had. They worried us yep. all. We and were then, so excited. Was straight, wasn't it? it was Australia, yeah. wasn't it? Where, yeah. where? They were fantastic. Yeah. And then they went a bit shit, but let's face it, still not as shit as Sauber and Manor. So no, they I'd never say, got that, to that level of shit. Yes, yeah, I'd say every other year, any any new team that started Formula in the last 10 years has been seven seconds off the pace for three years, then goes bust. <laughs> yeah. So the fact they got points is just miraculous. It's the brilliant. fact they spent the whole season kind of there or thereabouts... What 20, a fucking 29 result. points, I think it was, they got, wasn't it? All of which came from Grosjean. Do you reckon they'll be tough with that? That's a win. I think they'll be exceeded. Well, it's like Grosjean said in the first race where he goes, this is a win for us, which I think is... I thought he was just French. <laughs> Swiss. <laughs> if, uh, if they'd have just got that from, from Melbourne, I think that would have been a damn good season. As, as you said, you know, I can't remember the last time a new... T- I mean, possibly apart from Braun, but I'm not sure that, that really counts. Count, no. um, has come in and just been better than awful. I mean, you know, they, they did lose their way a little bit, but they still weren't the shittest team. And I think they should be really pleased. And we'll see how they deal with off-season development. Now they've got a year of experience. Yeah, the All the mechanics are going to have more of an idea of what's going on. The team management uh, is going to have a better idea of what's going on. Uh, I think it's going to be driving, really interesting. Who's driving for them next year again? Magnussen, naughty boy. Fact. 
and Roman Grosjean again because okay. he's done well. Do you want to see what Matthew Ristaino says? <laughs> Sorry, that's a great name. Rogros, great name by the way. Early performances in the Hayes reminded me of Mika Salo's super sub performances for Ferrari in '99. That's quite a mouthful. Mika Salo's super sub performances sounds like some sort of business. That did super take Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. <laughs> Mika Salo's super sub performances for Ferrari. <laughs> so what, what are you going to say to Matthew? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's good. Yeah. He's a well. Duvet didn't really ask a question, did he? Grosjean took a big risk leaving Renault, who were doing all right, mm-hmm. to go to Haas, who didn't exist. And Renault was shit this year, and yep. Haas were all right. So, you know, win-win. <laughs> Mercedes won 19 of the 21 races, which is the most any team has won in a season. However, that translates to 90.5% of all races, which is only second in dominance in history to McLaren. 1988. Very good. 1988, they won... 15 of 16, which equates to Terry. 94.3%. Oh, that's very close. Oh, fuck. 93.75%. Oh. <laughs> very close, but not right. That was oh, good. That was, see, that's You're how good I, at things like this. That's how I live my life. Just I occasional just facts. Whenever, whenever I get it right, people think I'm the cleverest guy in the room. Never am. So let's go to number five and move away from the teams now and to rules. So out of nowhere in the off-season, the powers that be decided that the perfectly fine qualifying format just had to change. So they came up with something that is harder to understand than the seventh season of Lost. In fact, just having the seventh season of Lost to pick grid slots would have been far more entertaining. I remember the seventh season of Lost, and it wasn't entertaining. I can't even remember. I've never watched a single episode of Lost. It's 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 but really really good. Joke. It's really really good, but it's also really terrible and disappointing. Qualifying. Yeah. Um, uh, I'd forgotten this happened. That's how far it seemed ago ages was. ago. Doesn't so it? at the beginning, so they had a thing where every like thirty seconds they blow a whistle, and whoever was last would be disqualified. Which kind of works if you're maybe, you know, kayaking in a boating pond, yeah. but doesn't work when multi million pound teams have gone, all right, well, let's not go out right now because we're not going to lose. So they'd blow the whistle and everyone would go, well. It's essentially musical chairs. Yeah, we're out anyway, so there's no point, there's no point us going out to do a lap. So this idea of this kind of exciting elimination, who's going to get the fastest lap, didn't happen because all the teams went, well, it's going to take five minutes to get around twice, so let's just not bother. We'll save a set of tyres. I think they were trying to go with something. What's that cycling race? There's one of the cycling races. Tour de France. No, track, track cycling. There's one track cycling thing where they do something similar, Peloton. and that's quite interesting. And the last person gets dropped. They have a sprint, and everybody gets dropped yeah, off. Yeah, it's in Mario Kart. Were, it's a great thing in Mario Kart. In theory... It doesn't work in Formula it's 1. Sort of, somewhere in there is a really good idea, but as is so often the case of Formula 1, it was woefully, very poorly executed and was just dull and shit and I can't believe it took them two races to get rid of it. Was it dropped at the same time as the giving help to drivers on the radio rules? No, no that, that, later, that lasted a bit longer. So okay. that they gave help to drivers. Yeah, so that was another thing. At the start of the season they said, no more, no more giving you clutch points and who's cornering faster and where to do anything. They just went, we're going to cut you guys off. And the drivers just moaned until eventually... 
like a like a parody in Sainsbury's. It was Rosberg, wasn't it? Rosberg, they they broke the rules for Rosberg, and then everyone went, "Oh yeah, oh, no, let's then. just bring it back." But then you had the ridiculous thing with Hamilton as well, where he was going, "I know something's wrong with my car. I don't know what it is. What do I have to do?" And they were like, "Oh, we can't tell you." It was like, "Well, I'm just I'm literally pressing. I'm stabbing random buttons." Oh yeah, they went, and it was ridiculous. You, I need you need to reset the thing. How do I do it? We well, can't they couldn't tell even you. tell him that. Oh, yeah, we can't tell you how to reset the car. I don't think they could even tell him to reset the car. You've got to. It begins with R. Sounds with bees nest. <laughs> I'm terrible at your Why am I the chief technical guy on the pit wall for Mercedes? I can't do rhymes. I mean, I can't remember the last season where there weren't a load of stupid rules. And yeah, this season has been as good as any. Uh, you almost have to kind of sit back and, and treat it as entertainment. It's like, oh, it's like watching Last of the Summer Wine sometimes, isn't it? Do you reckon this next season will be the same? Oh, I'm sure it will. They also brought in the, uh, the new tyres, so you can have several... Oh god, I don't even understand. Oh, they got yeah. the Magnusofts this year. The the incredibly, yeah. so, the very soft, the ultra soft, the stupid soft, the, the so soft. I can't believe it's not butter soft. <laughs> yeah. And they can. The teams had to nominate how many sets of tyres of each they had. It's like when you play pool in the pub and you've got to nominate a pocket for the back. Oh, it's just like every bloody Thursday you'd see these tweets going oh Mercedes have got four sets of super stuff and I just think I don't fucking care I mean we follow it relatively closely I'm I'm sure there are geekier people I honestly can't remember I I did like the fact that they'd have three sets of tyres I like the theory of it and I like the fact that when they get to the end of the race they go oh Hamilton hasn't got any super softs left that's quite exciting don't give a shit the rest of the time now we're talking about it, I'm suddenly thinking, well, actually, a couple of times that when there were completely different tyre strategies, maybe that actually was more interesting than I initially gave it credit for. But they somehow managed to sell it in a really boring way. That's it was, it was only when it started happening, I was like, okay, that is quite interesting, that, it, that I became interested. When they first described it, I was like, oh. So Daniel Foster got in touch and said, what's the point in penalty points? Some drivers get some, nobody got enough for anything to happen, and now they all get set back to zero again. It's a very good point. But does he think that they should have lifelong points? I mean, that, that seems a bit harsh. No, I like it. Do they only last? Do they just get reset for the new season, or do they? Is it like speeding points where they last like three or five years or something? I think they have to go to the DVLA to get them taken off their license, and that could be a special kind of mid-race jaunt. I think they should be once they get a set of points, they have the choice of either taking the points mm-hmm. and the or fine, using their joker, <laughs> or going to some sort of rehabilitation class that is filmed and put on the Formula One social media feed. Brilliant. So on to number six, it is rookies. So this year, Ocon, Verline, Palmer, Harrianto, and Terry's favourite Stoffel Ruffle Van Dorn drove an F1 car in anger for the first time. Who was best? Stoffel Ruffle by the T-shirt. Uh, I mean, was it? Do we really like Stoffel Ruffle? He Terry scored does. points. He did one yeah, race. Yeah, but I mean, Verline. Look, Stoffel Ruffle got thrown in. To, from, he was in Japan and they went Alonso's had a crash let's give a, you've got a race next week and he went and raced and he scored a point in a fair, McLaren that, that was really that impressive. was shit yeah, and he'd no, never driven fairness, before had he'd, he'd never even driven well. a car before <laughs> <laughs> he was very good I'll give it to him I am very intrigued to see what he can do next year and I just hope that the McLaren isn't a dog again no he, he did very well but I don't think one race is enough to judge him because let's not forget the Pastor Maldonado won a race once <laughs> Nico Rosberg won the title this year, but he didn't win the most races. He won nine to Hamilton's ten. Nico's dad, Keke Rosberg, won the title in 1982 with just one victory. 
Prost, Pironi, Lauda and Arnoux all had two wins each in that year that saw 11 different drivers win a race. That would have been so much more exciting. Everyone's talking about is, is, is Nico Rosberg a worthy champion? Are you a worthy champion if you win one race in the year? No. Nope. And four other people win more races than you? Strip him. Including Didier Peroni? Strip him of his championship. Strip the Rosberg name of Formula One. They are a disgrace. <laughs> Somebody get to change.org and start a petition. <laughs> So in seven, we've got retirements. This season has been notable as two of F1's star drivers have retired. Sorry, I mean one's retired and one's taken a sabbatical. Sorry, let me just correct that. Both have retired. Hang on, what? Rosberg, really? So three have retired. I'm just getting news that Massa's coming back. This season has been notable as two of F1 star drivers have retired. Pretty good joke. See, start and end is exactly the same. A little journey in the middle. <laughs> well, that's just the blooming drivers that have been retiring this season and moving and going. And we've had Ron Dennis, and then just before we recorded, Jost Capito, McLaren's new guy. And Bernie Eccleston's on his way out. You know, it's a big change. Well, I don't think that's He's confirmed because they still haven't confirmed the, the seat at Mercedes. So. Pat Simmons just gone from Williams. Yeah, but you know what? Who's going to be who's going to be remembered of uh, the trifecta of Button, Massa, and Rosberg, who <laughs> <laughs> you'd forgotten about already? Uh, well, it's going to vary where you are in the world, I think. But certainly I here in the UK, it's going to be Button. Yeah. Because it, he always does a good interview. Yeah, he's a nice bloke, isn't he? He's much more interesting, just all round. Yeah, but, you know... In Brazil, they'll probably say Massa, who's uh, going to be a, a fan favourite there forever. But let's be honest, Button was mostly shit. Mostly had a shit car. One year had a good car and one. Fair play to him, that's well deserved. No, he did all right when he was at McLaren. He was the only one of Hamilton's teammates to have beaten Hamilton over a year. Yeah, but that was when Hamilton was shagging the pussycat doll. He was distracted. <laughs> He's been through most of them, hasn't he? I don't know, I don't follow... I don't, I don't follow the machinations of the dolls. The what of? The machinations. Oh, right. Massa, oh, he was world champion for 30 seconds, which we've debunked already on this podcast. He was not world champion at all. Fuck fans. And Rosberg, who, you know, flew to the championship and quit. They're not going to be up there in There's the, not going to uh, be a film made about any of them, are there? Oh, I'm going to go see Rosberg in the cinemas. Oh, I said no one ever. So Billy MacArthur got in contact and said, can't decide who gets the crap retirement of the year award. Button with his stupid sabbatical, Rosberg running away before we get to see him fucking it all up next year and slowly becoming Jacques Villeneuve. <laughs> Massa changes his fucking mind. I don't know if he wrote this before Massa changed his fucking mind, but... Yeah, well, it looks like Massa has changed his fucking mind, which, oh, let's be fair, Massa well, hasn't changed his mind. We haven't had official confirmation It's not that, official, no. but it as, seems As we record like this, this on whatever day it is, what day is it? I don't know, it's just before Christmas at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Merry Christmas. But, I mean, let's face it, Massa hasn't changed his mind. He, he never wanted to quit. It was just, there was... I think he was fed up of driving a shit car. I think it'd be really embarrassing after you've done that emotional bit in the pits to come back and be like... Well, this is the best thing, because he did that big emotional thing and everyone's like, we're going to salute you and all this kind of stuff. I think the only way it can work next year is if everybody just blanks him all year. (laughs) Nobody fucking talks to him. Everybody loves him. He's like a little panda. When he crashes out of the first race on the first corner, he'll go around that little press bank and all the journalists just go, no... Not speaking to you. <laughs> you know, like Theresa May at that conference this week. Yep. You see the footage of that of everyone That's ignoring really mature, Terry. Do you think yep. if Massa does come back, and it's looking increasingly, according to the news headlines, like he might be, you know, Williams gave him the car that he crashed in Brazil. Oh, yeah, does this finally give him a receipt, a, a reason, sorry, to to give it back? Because let's face it, who wants a crashed F1 car? That would be great if they just said, like, you, you can't keep that car anymore. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to want that back. 
Now, this fact doesn't really work <laughs> because of the new car numbering system, but if it went back to the old style of championship winning number car thing, next year would have been the fourth year in Formula 1 history with a zero car. It took me a second to work out what you're on about, but yeah. A car with a zero, a yeah, driver yeah, yeah, having yeah. a zero number, because if, there was, if the world champion's gone, then there's no number one car, so it's a zero or a two. How many times has somebody taken a zero? I know Hill took a zero. Who Hill took a zero. Taken? Whoever got it after Jacques and Rint got a zero. Se oh no, Senna wasn't more champion. He'd be the third. Great fact. Great fact, guys. Number eight, we're going to talk about FF1S, Sports Driver Personality of the Year Award. Oh, it's the big one. That's why it's at number eight. Each of us has nominated our top three drivers, as well as our best and worst team. So we're now going to fight it out to whittle down the list down to just three and we'll put it to the listener vote. First though, let's have some listener thoughts. James Piddock said, Ricardo and Alonso tie for my drivers of the year. I'm keeping my powder dry because none of us know what we've nominated. Oh, interesting. E Good. Each yeah, of us have nice. nominated, but yeah, it's an interesting choice. Interesting. Dutch Kvyak fan club said... Nigel Mansell should win the FF Sports Driver Personality of the Year Award. Yes! <laughs> that's Couldn't just, agree more. Did I can't you help, write that? I can't no, help, not not that. I can't help thinking that they might just be pandering to Terry. And also, it's not the nomination I was expecting from Dutch Kvyat Fan Club. I'm going to start off. This took a while. Alonso Ooh. was my number one. Okay, why? He's the coolest. He got up to some tricks. I liked that. He's got the best beard. Um, he did the, some of the best radio. He yeah. did do some good radio. Yeah. And he's um, some of the best overtakes of the whole season. And also, he's been going along with the fact all season, McLaren have said, oh, we're going to be better next race. She just went along with that, which I thought was brave. Yeah. And finally, his dad works in an explosive factory. Does he really? Can fact. I say that again? That's Can a I good fact. We should have had that I as a fact. That. That's a fact. My number two is Verstappen. Oh. Number one. The reason why? Because Terry said I'd choose it. Number two, because... Two years in a row, he has broken the record for most overtakes in a season. Fact. Fact. That's impressive. And this season, it was in the 70s. I can't remember exactly He's how not many. in his 70s. No. He's younger than that. Fahrenheit. Finally, because the team call him Maxi. Do they? Oh, do they? Well, it's because he's still a child. It's like a kid's nickname. Do you know where he lives? It is Maxi Pad. <laughs> <laughs> and finally... It's the obvious choice, okay? But I Rosberg? know that you won't Mansell? do it. Hamilton, okay? Oh. <laughs> What's he done this year? Because he's the true champion, okay? The one true and champion that will rule them all. People look back in years ahead and be like, oh, were you alive when Hamilton was driving? When Hamilton didn't win. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be like, yeah, we did that. Remember 2016, what a great year that was. The soap opera with him and Rosberg was really exciting all season. And finally, he plays piano. Does he? Well. Well. Right. My go. Okay, so my top three drivers in no particular order are number one, Stoffel Van Dorn. <laughs> For previous one, great nickname, Stoffel Ruffle. Think that should catch on. Let's buy a t-shirt. Two, as I said earlier, did one race, scored points in a shit car. That is a driver of a champion. He's got a 100% strike rate of scoring points in every race. Well, that he did. Yes, technically true. Brilliant, like him. Realised I don't know what he looks like. Saw a picture of him the other day, went, who the fuck's that? Oh, it's that guy we were talking about all year. In your, in your, what does he look like in your mind? Steve Wright. In the afternoon. Yeah. All right, number two, top driver of the year, Kvyat. What? Ooh, Again, for reasons I've realised I've already said in the podcast, I think 
the tenacity of showing up after being demoted uh-huh. is the most impressive piece of strength, of mental strength, I have ever seen any driver in Formula 1 do ever. So this is a pity vote? No, it's not a pity vote. It's a vote to say, this guy is strong and I think he'll come back to be, you know, at best an average to middling driver. <laughs> and number three, controversially, Max Verstappen. Oh! How oh, the tables have turned. So, you know, he's all right. Right, well... I'll be honest, that was a much more interesting list than mine. I've just literally gone for the for Oh, the let me guess. Choices. You've got Rosberg, Hamilton, Ricardo. No, fuck no. No, very Rosberg, different to that. Hamilton, Verstappen, Ricardo. Vettel. Yes, it's Hamilton, Verstappen, Ricardo. <laughs> uh, Hamilton, because he was the best driver of the year, I thought. Even though he made a couple of fuck-ups, he had the most wins, he had the most podiums, he had the most pole positions, he would have won the championship if his car hadn't broken down. Best and driver he plays the, the piano. Verstappen is number second, number two even. Ooh. So we've all put Verstappen. He we have all through. put Verstappen. And I, I undenied about whether to put him second or third because Ricardo is objectively has been better this year. But Verstappen is just, he, oh, I just love watching him. He's so exciting. And the fact that you sometimes don't know if he's going to just do something brilliant or spit it into the scenery, I really like. I just I, Every time he's on screen, I'm thinking, yeah, something cool's going to happen. I have never seen you this excited about I think anything. Brilliant. I think it's my, yeah. he's my favourite new driver since Hamilton, I think. And number three? And number three is Ricardo, uh, because he's just been solid. He's the peasants' champion, fastest and best non-Mercedes driver, completed the most laps in the season, was the most entertaining off-track, I thought. He's just hijinks all over the place. He's very funny. Toe jinx. Yeah, I could have done without that, but apart from that, he's been quite funny. It was good the first good time. The first one was funny. The third and fourth time was a bit like yeah, a room. I, that's not <laughs> up there with uh, with the entertainment, but generally he's just he's really happy, apart from at Monaco, where I quite like that he was just like, oh, say it. And he was justifiably grumpy at Monaco. Yeah, and he did the second uh, most fastest laps after Rosberg. Uh, so he's quick as well. That's good. So uh, that's, that's my top fact. three. So when it comes to choosing the final three, the ones that we've shared, that we've all had, Verstappen yeah. and two of us had Hamilton. Yep, so so that leaves us space for number three. So who are the four? The other four would be Stoffel, so Roffel, Stoffel, Roffel, Kvyat, Alonso, Alonso and Ricardo. And Ricardo. No. I think we've got to consider them as if they were to win, would they be worthy of driver of the year? And can I mean... Can we really give Stoffel Roffel a chance of winning overall driver of the year for one race? Look, let's be honest. I think if Verstappen gets it, it'll just go to his head, right? He's got he's got too much. Hamilton isn't going to give a shit. He's just going to be there going, this is, is this a world championship? He's Get too fucked. busy sunning himself right? with ladies. So then we've got to think, who would want it most? And I think it's down to Stoffel Roffel or Kvyat. Who would need it? Who would need it? Imagine on the first race of the season. Ah, oh, fucking Otto. <laughs> Imagine the first race of the season, right? Stofferoffel being on the grid wearing his Stofferoffel FF1S t shirt, and Martin Brundle says, So, how do you prepare for this year? And he went, What do you mean, how do I prepare? I was the driver of the year last year, dickwad. Hey. <laughs> right? Or Kvyat going, Do you know what? Do you know what happened? I had the gun in my mouth, and then I got an email. <laughs> From Terry at FFYS.com, who said you won a prize. And I thought, do you know what? Life's worth living. But if you want to vote for an answer or Ricardo, that's fine. You make a very interesting point, but we're not a charity. So we still have space for the third driver in our favourite of the season. But for some reason, Terry has been given the deciding vote. And I'm going to go for a lot. Oh, Kvyat. Kvyat needs it. Okay, so our driver of the year vote will be on our website, FF1S.com forward slash vote, vote, vote. Let's cover one of the other topics, which is best and worst races. Terry. Hi. What was your best race? 
this is perhaps a bit weird. I'm going to go Abu Dhabi. What? That's, that's it was really fun. It wasn't the best race, like, technically, but it was the only race where, I mean, I had just bought a new telly, so maybe that's got something to do with it. <laughs> so it looked but amazing. It was great. So big. It's a good I mean, on any Formula telly, Abu really does big. look good. Yeah. <laughs> just so big. Um, I was at the edge of my seat watching Hamilton go slow. That was amazing. And the worst race, bloody Baku. Phil? Uh, my best race was Brazil. Oh, I'm oh. going to say that was mine. There's something about really, really good races that happen after so much blooming waiting around. It's like Canada the other year yeah. when Button won. The build-up and the build-up and the build-up, and it was amazing. And I had my mum and my mother-in-law, who were both watching it, who never watch F1, have no interest in it, and they were on the edge of their seats and they were cheering on Max Verstappen. It was, oh. it was brilliant. I think if you were going to show a non-F1 fan one race from this year, that would be the one to That's show. That's true. The end of Max Verstappen just driving the pants yeah. very well. It was just, just brilliant. But you'd probably edit all the bits where they stop out. Yeah. Um, and the rain. Okay. Well, Scott Somerville got in touch and said the final few laps of Austria were decent. Hamilton was pushing strong and Rosberg was shitting himself. And then the final lap collision gave Hamilton the win and took the lead in the championship. There's been a few good races this year, actually. Well, the thing is, there's been so many races, just statistically, some have been good, some have been terrible. Okay, well, speaking of terrible, what was your worst race then? Uh, it's got to be Baku, really. I mean, it's a bit of a weird one because I was sort of half... I was on holiday at the time and I was half watching it while trying to have a meal with friends and it didn't look very exciting. But then I went back and watched it again and I just couldn't get through it. It was just like, oh, interminable. I didn't like it either. That was my least favourite as well because the European Grand Prix wasn't in Europe. I'd actually forgotten it was called the European Grand Prix. Yeah. So just before we get to number 10, Mike Sibley says, I especially liked how the team at FF1S ridiculed Nico Rosberg into leaving F1 altogether. A stroke of genius on all your parts, and the F1 enthusiast communities will be forever grateful. And coincidentally, for number 10, it's over to Terry for the state of F1. The opening of Nico Rosberg's Wikipedia page is Nico Eric Rosberg, born 27th of June 1985, is a German Finnish Formula Formula One racing driver who drove for Williams F1 and Mercedes AMG Petronas under the German flag. Born in Germany to Finnish former world champion Keki Rosberg and his German wife Sina, he holds dual nationality and briefly competed for Finland early in his racing career. Although reported to be fluent in five languages, he does not speak Finnish. <laughs> and so ends the reign of the one-time world champion Nico Rosberg. The uninspirational but hardworking, unlikable but yet not even hateable Finnish German driver from Monaco. It's been an interesting season for him. He's dug deep, trained hard, even brought a go-kart to practice beating childhood foe Lewis Hamilton. You'd have thought he could afford a real car. But he managed it. Let's give credit where it's due. His name is on that trophy that he's been photographed with everywhere. This year wasn't just about Lewis's mechanical difficulties, but the fact that Nico didn't bottle it. He was there at nearly every race and was consistent when it mattered. But his early retirement is perhaps the biggest testament to his career. This year, let's be honest, was a bit of a fluke. He couldn't beat Hamilton in a straight fight, and the chances of everything landing his way again, for he did get lucky this year, especially with a rule change coming up next year, is slim. So instead of fighting and defending his lot, he's buggered off. And for someone who often doesn't struggle to have an opinion, I'm torn. On one side, this seems pathetic. To fluke a win, then fuck off. But then, what better way to go? It's like he's a drunk guy at a pool table who somehow just hit all the right balls into the pockets at once. He won't be able to top that, so why try? 
But I think his Formula 1 tombstone will simply be this quote when he praised DRS, stating that it could turn out to be, quote, one of the best rules in Formula 1 history. And also, when he left Williams, he said this charming thing. He said, Williams have really supported my career over the years, and I'd say a big thank you to them. However, I'm not sure they can win races at the moment, and I would like to. Which, although undoubtedly true, is a bit of a cunty thing to say. So fuck him. Is that, is that how you're, you're ending 2016? Fuck him. <laughs> All right, so that is it from us. It is goodbye to Phil Tromans. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for joining us over the season. But we haven't had time to talk about Mike Sibley's point. He wrote in to say, It would seem prudent to extend your podcast by five minutes or so as you frequently run out of time to talk about stuff at the end. The haven't talked about is stuff that you've looked up but haven't actually researched enough to talk about. How very dare you, Let's Chica. Let's let people into a secret here. Sometimes we have to think of something that we said we haven't talked about because we haven't thought of anything to not talk about. Like... For example, Fig One. And Terry Saunders. We haven't had time to talk about Fig One, which is where I haven't thought of anything to not talk about. <laughs> McLaren. We'll be back in about 20 minutes when the pre-season testing starts. In the meantime, follow us on Twitter at For f one Sake and like us on Facebook where we're For f one Sake. Thank you so much for listening to us throughout 2016. We hope you've enjoyed the ride and haven't just quit like Nico Rosberg. After making it this far, could we ask you to share us with a friend? We are house trained. Terry isn't. What? I've been Chigres. Goodbye. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. So, retrospectors, what historical events are we ticking off on this week's run of Today in History? Well, on Monday, it's the anniversary of the table knife being invented. On Tuesday, we explain how the tradition of the two-minute silence originated in Cape Town. On Wednesday, we recall the day King George III proved he was assassin-proof. On Thursday, let's all eat cake. It's Marie Antoinette's wedding. And on Friday, we discover how Buffalo Bill helped invent the Wild West. We discuss this and more on Today in History with the Retrospectors. Ten minutes each weekday, wherever you get your podcasts.